Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and today on the show I'm joined by the head of consulting in Australia, Corinne Cantor. Hey Dom, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you Corinne? Really great. Happy to be here, actually. Yeah, so we were actually both at a workshop earlier today, and we started this conversation, and we were like, you know what, <laughs> let's jump into the, the podcast studio, and it was around kind of another day, another scandal, Yeah. right? And, and everyone's kind of pointing to culture all the time, and it's all over the headlines, and on one level, I love it, because yeah, people are talking culture, and on the other level, it, it kind of irks me, because oh, I don't think they're quite getting it quite spot on, so... I guess the the questions I had for you around it was, we've been seeing culture a lot on the front page of the newspapers. Is this a new thing? Did we just start having culture or like what? What happened? Hmm. Why is it suddenly such an issue all the time? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like if you think about, it doesn't seem that any industry or any sporting code is exempt. We've had headlines oh, from oh. cricket, sand, Sandpaper Gate, the famous one we've had school with the Kellyville scandal recently, Amnesty International had to let go of about five or six leaders. The bank, Banking Royal Commission, we've got the Ageing Royal Commission. It goes on and on and on. And it doesn't seem like any industry or sector or sporting code is immune from these scandals. And to be honest, Dom, I don't remember a time when culture has been in the headlines as much as it's been in the last, say, 12 to 18 months. I don't think it's a new phenomenon. I don't think that suddenly we've realised that we've got a culture. I think what has changed is that what the community and what people are prepared to tolerate. So I think that likely culture takes a long time to develop. So these things don't just happen overnight. Some of these practices have been in play for a while and as you go through successive generations of people in the workplace, it becomes sometimes a little bit more obscure or people just think, oh, this is the way it's always been. And then it takes someone who realises that it's not okay, not okay to be treated this way. It's not a standard that should be tolerated. And so I think then people start to call it out. And I think that we've got a community, you know, the advent of social media and Google means that transparency is what's really important to people. I don't Mm. need to just take sort of spin or PR. I can look things up myself. So I think that people are becoming in the community much more attuned to ethical issues, corporate sense of social responsibility, and uh, high levels of standard in terms of what they're wanting to see. People basically want to see an ethical, inclusive society where I can have confidence in my employers and confidence in the people that I buy from Mm. or the people that I, you know, or the sporting codes that I send my kids to. So do we think, was it, do we just not care in the same way 10 years ago or or whatever it was? Did it not kind of, I guess, impact us? We just kind of looked the other way? Like, what's the difference there? What do you reckon? I think we did care. I think we always did care. But I think one of the things about culture, it's the invisible hand, the invisible force Mm. in an organisation, any organisation. And so you can't touch it. You can't see it. Mm. And sometimes some of these behaviours fly quite below the radar. 
They can be difficult to prove. They can be difficult to make visible. Mm. And sometimes people don't want to speak up because they don't, they can't point to anything. They can't refer to anything that's obvious Cause proof. Because it can be implicit expectations Correct. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so no one's, no one's said it, yeah. but everything points to it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly, like, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's probably a, a layered response in that, you know, I think a lot of it may have gone unconscious. Mm. And I think what's happened in the last, probably the last four decades, but most particularly in the last 10 is there's been a massive highlight and massive awareness around in organizations how to get the best out of people mm. and um, how to get how to motivate people and and that's around a sense of purpose a sense of pride inclusiveness constructive cultures that actually allow people to be their best self at work doing their best work so i think it's been an awareness why it hasn't emerge. I think it's always been an issue, but it's mm. probably also maybe shown up under nif- different names, bullying, you right. know, uh, so now harassment, it's a culture discrimination, etc. Yeah. Et so I think some of these things probably hit the headlines before, but they might have come under different headlines. And I think the difference now is that there's an acknowledgement that it's never, culture's not just one event, mm. that there's an awareness that there's a, a pattern Mm. of norms that enable some of these poor behaviours and poor practices to thrive. Mm. So uh, what's the difference then, Corinne? Because can't someone just be a jerk? You know, like, can't someone just be a bully? Some people are just a certain way, you know? Or, I mean, I believe everyone can, everyone can learn, grow and develop, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, like when is it? Because we're always pointing to culture yeah. now, right? And And while I think culture... Is everywhere and, and everything. It's not. Is it always responsible? I guess is kind of where I'm getting to. Or can't someone just be a jerk? Or can't someone just be a do yeah. something wrong? You know what I mean? Like you mean, can't it just be that an individual yeah. has behaved badly? Yeah, exactly. Is it always the cultures? Is you know? Is is it always the culture who done it? Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's the murder mystery. Yeah, I've been reflecting on that a lot because I think some of the headlines I've seen most recently have talked about an individual who has behaved badly mm. and have referenced an act, you know, and it might be one or even two acts by this individual. I think that what we need to understand is that, yes, sometimes we've got to distinguish between poor individual behaviour and whether that in itself reflects a poor culture. If an individual does something wrong you know, something that is a that we wouldn't wouldn't agree with, whether it's um making a, a biased kind of comment, discriminatory in any way, or whether they're sending illicit dishonest, images, yeah, you know, dishonest or something. Dishonest. I think that of course that individual behavior is bad and it breaches standards, right? So you can get bad individual behavior. If the organization doesn't act on that information as soon as it has it, if it allows it to go unaddressed, that indicates more of a cultural issue. Mm. Eh? So I think there are some definite indicators of cultural of a cultural pattern. One will be if this behaviour has been going on, not just by this person, but many people, 
and it's been going on for a while and everybody implicitly knows it and the leaders know it, but it goes unaddressed, that makes it a cultural issue. Mm-hmm. If the behaviour is prompted because I know, I feel like I need to do it in order to fit in, that is also a cultural issue. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for example, if I get, uh, and there were a couple of cases I think with, you know, one of the organisations where they'd have Friday night drinks and they'd get out of control Mm -hmm. and then somebody would end up harassing, you know, someone in the public. Now. That has been called a cultural issue because these Friday night drinks have been going on for time immemorial. Friday night drinks isn't a problem itself, but it was the kind of behaviours that had developed and had been tolerated, which were not an acceptable community standard. Okay, now the fact that it was implicitly allowed to go on without being checked, without being called out, that makes it a cultural issue. What about, so just thinking of the Friday night drinks thing, you know, mm. so yeah, we get, we drink, but most of us are fine, right? Mm. Like we have a few mm. drinks, we have fun, mm. like, yeah, we're a little rowdy, but it's fine. You know, and, oh, John or whatever, he's crazy, right? He, oh, he always does this crazy stuff. It's just you know? John. It's just Johnny, you yeah. know, hits on the, the girls and blah, 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 or whatever. And this time he's really taking it too far, mm. right? But he's not a bad bloke. But he's not a bad bloke. Well, she's not that bad, you know, yet. Yeah, you know, so, so I guess, but, but like... But that's just John. Like, he's just crazy. So, like, is it a John issue or a culture issue? You know, like. It's probably a bit of both yeah. in that instance. So, I think that it's a John issue, definitely, because he, in this instance, and it could be a woman as well, but yeah, sure. whoever it is, is the person who's actually doing the behavior. Let's assume for a second that they haven't accepted someone's no. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say that that's the bad behavior and they've yep. just kept on going, kept yep. on going, kept yep. on going. Now, that is definitely individually poor behavior. But if John's leader and if other people's leaders know that this is happening, has known for some time, other people talk about it in the corridor on the Monday morning. Did you Mm. see John? Mm. Did you see Mary? Oh, my Mm. God. You know. So if it's something that is acknowledged as being something that's happened over time and nobody says anything, then that says something about the culture. You know, at the very least, you've gotten some avoidance in this culture where people aren't prepared to speak up and call out poor behaviour. The leaders aren't prepared to actually acknowledge it. Now, if the leader doesn't think that it's a problem, okay, that might be indicative that it's a culture that sanctions this kind of behaviour. Yeah. So I think if I bring it into... Um, the leader's lining up the shots on the bar. Or yeah, if the leader's <laughs> lining up the shots, and they're, they're definitely. But if I bring it back to a, a kind of a more tangible, well, not tangible, but a, a normal kind of everyday behaviour that I think mm. people relate to, mm. this example I use with people in, in the workshops that we do, and it always lands, so I'm going to use it here. Let's just say, imagine for a second that you're part of a task force or a cross-functional team that's mm-hmm been charged with delivering a project and there's you've got five people on the team and there's one person on the team everybody gets an invite to these fortnightly meetings you've got to have six of them in the time that you've been given to deliver this project uh-huh. and there's one person who always accepts the invite but they never come to the meeting they never show uh-huh. okay so we don't know why it happens all we know that is they haven't it shown, happens right? yeah so that behavior is an individual behavior where they accept something, they never come, they never show up to it. Yep. 
The cultural question for me is whether anybody calls them out on that behaviour. Do we ask him or her? You know, you, I noticed this pattern. What's going on? So if nobody ever says anything about it, that's kind of an implicit acceptance that it's okay. Yeah. Now, let's say that person does come to the last meeting and what they do is they push back on everything. Huh. So you've got an individual who's has been operating in a way that avoids a responsibility and then when it comes to the decision-making, pushes back on all the decisions, oppositional, so you get avoidance oppositional. Mm. So that's the individual's behaviour. If we wrapped a cultural lens around that, we'd be saying, what has been the response to that individual's behaviour? A. So one is the response of the culture, that behaviour. But the other reason, if we move back a step even further, is how is it that the individual thought that that would be okay? Right, because they thought that it's okay to accept and not show up. Correct. So that's a cultural issue. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So. I mean, what's interesting about that to me is so we don't necessarily have a, well, I was going to say we don't have a culture of being not showing up to meetings, but we have a culture of not confronting people or not yeah. having the conversation about Correct. It, which is kind of like, because people say a culture of bullying, for mm. instance, which could be true. We could mm. have a culture of bullying, mm. but it could also be that we have a bully and a culture of looking the other way or a culture of Correct. like an avoidant culture totally. in our language that, that we all know. We've Jill, got a culture where we don't feel it's, it's safe to speak up. You can't speak up. Or if you do, yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Right? You know, what if the person is, you know, the colloquial kind of informal language around would be a protected species. Yeah, They're a right. high performer. They're yeah. close to the CEO. Yeah. So nobody yeah. can say anything. So you're right. What you've got is bullying behavior within a culture that refuses to speak that up and challenge. deal with it. At one level. At the other level, we've also got tacit permission because the leader's so tall intents are no. not, not saying no. Uh, yeah. uh. So it's it's quite complex, but I think it's important that it's an important distinction. And also I think it's important because I think that sometimes when something like this makes a news cycle, it's all blended into the one thing. Uh. And... Um, I think the distinction's important because you've got to understand what the corrective action is. Mm. You know, is it at an individual level? Is it the team level? Is it the organisational level? Yeah, right. Yeah, where should you be addressing it? Because different problem, different solution. Correct. And you, you might need to address all three. Mm. But we've, we've got a kind of habit of lumping, of collapsing the differences between quite separate ideas or, or concepts. Yeah, because I guess, you know, if it's the bully, then obviously you go target the bully. If it's the culture of looking the other way, well, you've probably still got to deal with the bully, right? But also we've got to look at this culture of, hey, why do people feel unsafe that they can't speak up? They yeah. can't call it out. They can't have that conversation. And why did somebody feel that they could do it? Why did somebody feel that it would be okay to behave this mm. way? So it's almost like, you know, the definition we use for culture is the shared values, beliefs, norms, and expectations. Mm. Doesn't require me to agree with them. Mm. It's just that they operate in the environment in which I work. Mm. And so if it may not be a value, but it may be a norm that I feel I can't resist or challenge Mm. because the expectation is was that if I challenged it, then it might be a career-limiting move, for example. Mm. Yeah. So I think 
And that's what we're trying to do really is we're trying to help organisations create constructive cultures where people are encouraged to speak truth to power, where those in power are prepared to listen and hear it without repercussion, because that's really the sign of a healthy organisation. Healthy organisations got a, a competitive advantage and, you know, likely to be more able to deliver what it says it wants to deliver. So Corinna, it makes me think, speaking of responses and stuff from organisations, because we see the one where perhaps there has been a culture of, of you know, kind of misbehaviour or turning the other way or even endorsing it, implicitly endorsing it, and then it blows up. So they say, oh, this is terrible. You know, someone must get fired and so on. But so I guess, how do you tell the difference between that, which is kind of a, well, actually we were, it was a cultural issue. We kind of allowed it to happen between that and, you know, there's a, some, someone, an individual misbehaves against the culture. And then the culture says, Hey, that's not okay. You know, you're fired or or you're disciplined or whatever. Yeah. Like, how can you tell as a, I don't know, how can you tell the difference? What is the difference? I think in everyday indicator of the difference is that in a culture where people are encouraged to live the values, the spouse values of the organisation, in a culture where people are encouraged to speak up and to feel safe to speak up, I think the way you tell is that people will tell you, I don't like what you're doing. I'd like you to stop or it makes me uncomfortable when you do that or I don't think that that was a fair point of view. So I think one of the telltale signs is that you're not going to just, it's not the leader that's going to act, although it may be, but you're not going to need any, it won't be a, a huge amount of time before somebody actually steps up. So mm. I think one of the indicators is that you're not waiting for a leader to step in because you've people are empowered, they feel empowered, and they feel that they've got a right and a responsibility mm. to speak up in a constructive way if they feel that they see a behavior that's not okay. Yeah, because it goes against those shared beliefs yeah. and shared norms. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing. In a culture that's really constructive, you're going to have people who are more ready, willing and able to do that mm. and supported to do it. Oh. The second example, I think, or taking it the next level, is then you've got leaders who are prepared to walk their talk, the organisation's talk, so to actually demonstrate the values in action. Most organisations have values, but that's not really helpful unless they're operationalised and they're lived. Mm -hmm. And so I think they're kind of two quick examples of how I think you'd be able to tell whether it was the culture or the individual. And what about just circling back to your example? Because, you know, like sexual harassment or something like that, that's more of a bright red line that most of us, I think, can recognise, right? Like, hey, that's not on. But like the showing up late to meetings is this more like yeah. it's not a huge issue, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's not this. It's not nothing like the same mm. as harassing or or being like hardcore dishonesty or something like that. Yeah. So like, I guess like in that moment, because I can see people being like, "Oh, whatever. It's yeah. just a meeting, you know. Yeah. Like, we'll do the project, and you know, anyway, without him." Yeah. Or he'll show up, or she'll show up, disagree with everything, and then the team will talk about them. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, that know. Jill, like, yeah. always showing up at the last minute. So is the question? It's kind of easier when it's a clear break or breach of a standard. But what if it's something that appears harmless? Yeah, because the other stuff's almost cultural. Uh, sorry, society. Yeah. Cultural stuff, yeah. right? Like you know, standard. yeah, like you, you know. 
people, there's a certain level of respect and stuff that people, all people are entitled to. That's a culture, societal culture norm yeah. and value, you know, like people yeah. shouldn't be sexually harassed, people shouldn't be bullied, people shouldn't be this kind of stuff. But I guess, you know, what I'm hearing is there's a culture that allows that to happen. But, and, you know, maybe that starts with the turning the blind eye to the person yeah, who yeah. doesn't show up to the meeting or, you know, like how does it build up? Because you don't just, I mean, I guess in my head it's like you don't just get to the deep end, to the extreme end straight away, right? So, Yeah, I think that I feel like this is like six podcasts rather than <laughs> one. But, um, yeah, you're right. I think that culture is formed over time. Uh. And it's embedded through, it's reinforced through leadership and it's embedded through systems and processes and how people, the policies we have on how people should be treated. This is a way of operationalizing a value. So I think that what happens is at an individual level, if the leader or founder of the team is late themselves constantly, or maybe this organisation has a value around the quality of what you do when you show up is more important than actually showing up on time, mm. it might become an assumption that drives and governs the, you know, and, and the, it's what you're valuing mm. is the quality when you show up versus actually showing up on time. Mm. So I think punctuality is actually a cultural artefact. Mm. You know, some businesses value it, some not as much. Mm. So I think that we can't talk about, I don't think there is a clear black and white on some of the smaller levels of behaviour like that. We've got to take it back to who does this organisation want to be? How do they want to show up to their people, to their clients or their stakeholders? And really, what are the values that they want to stand for? And unfortunately, I think values have become very light on. So what we do with values in organisations is we have values and most organisation values sound very similar. Integrity, respect and teamwork. You know, you can, they will come up. Those are all about, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, They're ours too. But I think that, so it's not that they're not great values to have. The real test of a value in an organisation is the extent to which we've taken the trouble to embed it and demonstrate it and live it Mm. through the systems and processes and practices Mm. that define how we do things every day. Mm. So in a way, what we've got to be conscious of is the culture is the accumulated effect of all those things. And it's not easy, so I don't want to sit here and damn organisations that haven't got the culture right because, you know, it's actually, it's very difficult, it's very complex, it's very layered. Often the first time that we measure culture for an organisation will actually show, hold a mirror up to an unconscious pattern of behaviour as well. No one really knows where it came from because it probably predated when they started with the organisation. What we do know that it continues to live on. How does it live on? It lives on because we continue to behave that way. And we have systems that reinforce us to behave that way. And we have leaders who support it and reinforce it. So, Corinne, what then, like, you know, because we're talking about how how have we embedded and stuff, how can leaders check that out? And I know this is probably a 
a huge topic as well. But just in the kind of five minutes feel, I guess, what what can they do to, you know, where is our culture at? Because if there's always cultural scandals, you know, how do we know if it's it's behavior versus culture? And then if it is culture, what can we be doing to check if we have the type of culture that looks the other way or have the type of culture that does this kind of stuff? Yeah, I think you've got to be clear about, as I said, what it is that you stand for in terms of values and mission. Yeah. How is it that you want to show up as an organization? What is it that is important for you? So you've got to identify those because if you don't have a standard against which to compare mm. people's experience or evaluate people's experience, which is what you're, you're asking, mm. it's very hard to do anything with it. So I think you have to have a standard and that standard can be expressed in terms of values. Mm. Those values then have to be translated into norms or they are, whether we want them to or not, you know, people and often leaders, that's leaders will often behave in a way that if it's an aligned with the value, it'll reinforce the value. Uh If it seems disconnected from the value, then it's going to to spurn another value that people will listen to more Uh because it's more every day rather Uh than being a a term or a label. So we say we put customers first, but actually what we really value is pumping those numbers, selling, exactly. selling those interests. Selling those or interests or selling extra stuff that the customer might Doesn't not need, need because it gives mm-hmm. us a number. Okay, so there you've got a disconnect between we're saying we want to put clients or customers first, but we're actually going to try and sell them as much as we can regardless whether they need it. Mm. Okay, that's for us. So it's us first, clients second in, in, in oh. that example or customer second. So I think you need a standard, okay? So it is the wonderful thing about culture is it's an input. You, the organisation, is actually in control of it, oh. okay? And in a world where everything's changing, this is something you can design, but you've got to do it consciously. Oh. And that starts with establishing what you stand for. What are the values? What are the standards that matter? What are the behaviours that are okay? What are the behaviours not okay? And then how do we recruit so that we get the people who are aligned with our values, that then we have systems that reinforce the value set that we've got? So I think how does a leader know if the culture's in line? They have to start with a standard. They have to then look at the degree to which their own behaviour reflects the standard. Where are they showing up strong and well and where might they be deviating or, you know, drifting from the standard? And everybody does, but it's the consciousness of knowing that you're doing it. And then once you've got that standard, I think then you need to talk to your people and you can talk to your people by actually talking to them, talking to the people in your team. You could also, that's the point at which you might measure the culture because it's only you know, once you've got a sense of where it is that you'd like to be, then you can measure it because you can see how far right. you are where from Where are it. we in comparison? Yeah, but if I'm thinking of a leader out there and they've got a team, they just want to do a bit of a check, I think define the standard, define the vision, define the values and the standards that help to shape and deliver that vision and then get people involved to talk about what does that look like? If we were really doing that, and we were running our business or our organisation in a way that demonstrated those values, what would it look like? What would it sound like? 
And have we got any examples now where we're really demonstrating it? And have we got any examples where we're not? We're mm. falling short. So I think, you know, ultimately, culture is something that you crowdsource. Everybody powers it up. So you need to involve your people. It can't just be a top-down thing. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, and because the top will have a different view as <laughs> compared Correct. to the other layers. So, so you need to get people involved. Hi, right, Corinne. I love that today. I mean, the thing I'm taking out is not every behavior issue is necessarily a culture issue, but it can be. Yeah. Right. So there's kind of a, there's a big overlap, I suppose, in the Venn diagrams, if you like. Yeah. But it doesn't mean every time. And it's a bit about how does the company respond? Yeah. Is it, did it allow the situation to come? Yeah. Or was it just a case of someone doing something they shouldn't have done? Yeah. So were they, was the culture complicit in creating the behavior? And then how did they respond when it happened? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, dealing with it, getting ahead of it. So, you know, where are we? What kind of culture do we have? And and looking at that standard. So what is it that we actually genuinely believe in? Yeah. And I think that's the key issue. I think... And care about. Uh, that We really care about. I think a lot of people suddenly discover their values when a scandal happens. Oh, yeah, or when, you know? when, when a standard's been crossed or breached and... I also think that sometimes leaders say they value something when they don't. Exactly, yeah. It's hugely damaging yeah. when that happens. Yeah. You're better off. I think if you're a leader and you're in that position, you don't understand the vision or you don't understand the value, you don't agree with it, you have to talk to your leader mm. and you have to ask, ask questions. Ask why. Until you understand it. Because if you don't understand it, you will not be able to lead people along that journey if you don't believe in it no one else will Correct. from you yeah <laughs> right yeah. awesome that's a good note to end on you got to believe in it exactly all right exactly. all right thanks for your time today corinne thanks dom thanks for listening to this episode of culture bites if you enjoy the show remember to subscribe on itunes stitcher soundcloud or wherever you get your podcasts also leave us a review it helps other people to find the show If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.